Get out the way. Who got a watch? Who got the time? I'm raising the clock. Even in my feelings, grind don't stop. Got big Hi, Susan. Welcome to Mature Lore. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy you you're here because I think that as we start moving into our, you know the age over forty plus, the topic of awareness is so important. So before we get into it, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and tell us tell us more about you. Well, I'm Susan Nepsker, and I've been I'm a writer and I'm a coach, and I've been in PR for thirty years. So along the way, I was on a, a self-awareness journey for probably about 30 years um, because I always, it started when I read Brian Weiss, MD's book about um, reincarnation called Many Lives, Many Masters. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went on and I just felt like, okay, I want to know what all that is. So I just started traveling. I, I worked on a lottery start on the Georgia lottery startup team. So I, I was just doing, I was really busy for a couple of years. And I, after that, I just traveled all over the world to figure out what it was that I was looking for. And which is the, the feeling of having your life, you've done everything like at this point in our lives and especially women they've had their kids, they've been married, they've had a successful career, they've been doing the things that they literally like doing. I mean, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so, but if you still feel like something's missing and there, there's something else you should be doing, that means that you're seeking your purpose and you know that you have one and you know all the things that make you passionate and happy and that you're that sparks you and so you know all that and so following that path to awareness just you just have to follow the path so that's what I did and then that took me to Glastonbury in 2015 to a conscious writing retreat and I knew I always wanted to write a book I've journalism minor English major you know, I've always been in PR writing and so I went without expectations and the first, it was a really specific process um, that this woman, Julia McCutcheon does. To, she really does it so people can write what they're meant to write. And I started writing the book the first day in the gardens of Glastonbury Abbey, the ruins. Wow. Um, so it, and I knew when it was happening as I was observing and I was, you know, on a spiritual path at that point, obviously I had been, so I knew exactly what was happening, but I was still understanding that in this like 48, 72 hours that I was writing the book, I wrote, I mind mapped the outline, the title, and I just started writing it. I knew that was changing my life. And at the time I was married and my son was graduating from high school. Um, and I was, I knew all that was going to be affected. And so I went home and I was writing, finishing writing the book and I eventually got divorced and moved back to Atlanta. Um, and after that, after the time that I wrote the book, 
published it, went back the next year and wrote the to another retreat with her and wrote the workbook. I moved probably like five or six times. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I had to be very mindful because that presented a lot of, all of those things presented a lot of challenges. Yeah. I knew it that, I knew then that my purpose was to help people become self-aware through writing a practical guide to self-awareness. And the workbook is putting awareness into practice. And that, that whole composition was way easier than my third book because I was literally just channeling all of that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I was going to ask, so let's, what's the, the title? My new book is A Practical Guide to Living Fearlessly. Yes, that one I want to talk about, but the other, the other one, awareness, What what is it? A Practical Guide to Awareness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. How, when you were at the retreat and you were, like you said, 48, 72 hours writing it, what were you like? How was that process of awareness coming about in you? So, like I said, there's a there was a process to access our creative consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that process it was involved um, very early morning um, medita- guided meditation and qigong and breath work, and then. Um, after the guided meditation, you know, writing, and then whatever was your, whatever you were guided to write. And so for me, it was the book. So I was writing the book. I would go outside and I would write the book. So I would do the process with the group of people I was with, these people I'd never met in in my life, who ended up being now my group of people that read everything I write before I publish it. We're all, there's like six of us that are still really close. It was, it was, it was obviously life changing. So it presented, how that all presented was that I, I felt like I was, well, I was, I was in another world and I, to even connect with, you know, my family or any reality was very difficult. So I was in this heightened state of creation. And, and that's how I felt. And yeah. of course, where I was was extremely beautiful. And obviously, the reason for my inspiration, Glastonbury, which is historically very significant for many people, but it is for me specifically. And that's a whole other story. But yeah. so while I was doing it, I mean, it was just total immersion. And I think that was the secret to getting to that place because of so many of us have so many, you know, responsibilities with family and work and everything else. So for me, getting completely away from all that was, the, and then being in this specific space um, of focus on just that creative process. That was the thing in this form that just did it for me. I mean, clearly you know, it was meant to be. So that's how it presented for me. Wow. So, so then let's talk about the practical guide to a practical guide to living fearlessly. Mm -hmm. What first let's define living fearlessly before we talk about how we can live fearlessly. (laughs) It's important to understand 
so the summer before the pandemic, I got the inspiration for that this for my latest book, and I did the outline and the table of contents and the title, and um, and my mom became ill, and I was traveling back and forth to Florida, and then we had the so I wasn't focusing on the book. Then we had the pandemic, and I said, okay, I'm writing this book because I have more time. Yeah. Um, and the, and it was a time of a lot of fear. Clearly, nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, and I found at that point in time that the best thing I could do was help people focus on finding beauty every day. So I shared a lot of my photography, and I just stayed really positive in sharing that with my readers and, and my followers because people were just finding any reason, you know, to be afraid. So. Yeah. So, and I lived in Atlanta at the time, and it was, a, it was a pretty chaotic time in Atlanta with all the rioting and everything that was happening. So I just felt like I had to hold space in that area with, you know, anchoring love and not fear and not get caught up in the out, outside energy and everything that was going on, even though it was difficult not to. But I felt like my position in the whole thing was to be um, an inspiration for people to know that, you know, nothing lasts and everything changes and eventually everything will go back to a, now, as we know, a new way of life even. Yeah. So I started writing the book and um, it wasn't as easy to do because there were a lot of distractions um, and my mom was ill. And so so for me to be not afraid of the usual things, like I'm never afraid of the usual things anyway. I've just always been that way. So, and I've lived a life where, as I described with writing my books, a lot of things, I'm just always in a position of being kind of the leader or the paradigm breaker and showing people that they can do what they need to do and be happy doing it. So for me, that living fearlessly is knowing that you can just, you can do anything that you need to do. You, you do have the support. You do have everything you need. It's all within. Mm. And everyone always looks outside of themselves for the answers, but we have it. We're, we, we have everything we need. So the whole awareness, mindfulness, keys into being fearless because being mindful and aware if you can be the objective observer and understand when you become afraid of something or or if you get ahead of yourself by thinking about what do I have to do today what do I have to do tomorrow you know and getting ahead of yourself into the future that's the thing that creates anxiety and yes. so people don't understand is that there is a flow to life and there's a flow to our presence and we have to understand that this isn't all there is so you can call it whatever you want you can call it being spiritual you can call it god you can call it the universe you can call it creator you can call it whatever you want but there is a consciousness that we're all a part of and that's the other thing yeah. we're all part of the same consciousness so everything we do affects everybody else so the whole point of being aware and mindful is all awareness so when you get afraid of something or you become afraid 
of something that you're not, you don't know. Let's say usually it's about things we don't know. Mm -hmm. So let's say you get nervous about public speaking. Right. So the, the easiest thing to do is to say to yourself, okay, why? Why am I afraid of public speaking? Why do I become nervous? Well, it's usually lacked. I mean, it's usually linked to something um, regarding your being self-conscious about how people perceive you. So, so then it leads you down the road of understanding what triggers you up, you have. So these could be from trauma from childhood. They could be from trauma defaults from any kind of thing that happened to you that really bothered you when it happened. So being fearless is understanding that there's either love or there's either fear. So love really is inclusion, acceptance, understanding that we're all connected. Fear is usually shame, guilt, um, wanting to be right about something because you want to have control. It has a lot to do with control. I mean, it, it presents in a lot of different ways. Being being afraid of people who aren't like us because we don't understand who they are or where they come from or what they're about. So fear really is a very basic thing. And I think people elevate fear because people feel anxious if they're afraid or and they have all these things happen that make them feel differently. But if we view fear the same as we view love, it's either it's 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 fifty fifty. It's either one or the other. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Well, that's all there is. It's either love or fear. There's no in between. Wow. Right? And then when you said to ask why you're fear fearful, because I sometimes I know I if I get fear like you said of public speaking, mm -hmm. I don't ask myself that. It's just you're right? just overthinking it, and you're. That's exactly it. And so that's the whole point of awareness and being in the flow. Because people are always in their minds, in their ego mind. Your ego mind is the thing that generates the fear because it wants to control your subconscious mind. So there's all these different, there's all these different varieties of consciousness that we don't even know about. So your subconscious mind, you can train it to to access all there is available to you in the collective consciousness. And I know that sounds esoteric, but that's how I got to be where I am right now. Yeah. And it's how I followed, found my path. How did I, how did that happen? Think about it, right? Yeah. In the 50s, I go to England to a writing retreat and my whole life changes. So I'm the example for everyone <laughs> that you can find your purpose. You can live a joy filled more fulfilling life and you don't have to do anything special i mean you don't have to do what i do or what other people do just do what makes you happy and that's what people just it's too simple for people to accept that if you just do what makes you happy every day that everything flows from there and and that's the that's a key point especially like you said at this point in our lives in our 50s things change there's so many things going on around you that are changing spouses, marriages in, new marriages begin, kids get out of the, move out of the house, um, somebody may pass away, they, all kinds of things, oh, yes. and you get caught up. 
the whole th the whole fear about it, our parents dying and leaving us. And so I'm just that's a generalization because I assume most people have a good relationship with their parents. And yeah. me, I, in the book, I say in my epilogue, for me, my mother passing away was the final fear. And I didn't, and I wondered why, and I knew, because I do everything by intuition now. I, I, I stay present as much as I can. But I knew that I was, there was a delay in finishing the book because I was going back and forth to Florida helping care for my mom with the rest of my family. And that's a, that's a whole talk, talk about anxiety. Yeah. Um, so, but I knew going into that situation, okay, because I was in a great place, but I knew going into that situation, I wasn't going to be in a great place, but I did yeah. it because I knew that I wanted to be with my mom. And I ended up <clears throat> being with her when she passed, when she transitioned. And I didn't put any expectation on that because I didn't know how it was all going to end up. I didn't even know if I preferred to be with her or not. Yeah. We were very close. And I ended up being with her with my son and another sister. And so I talk about that whole transition and finding beauty in every situation, even in your grief. Um, and so that's the whole point of my book. A Practical Guide to Living Fearlessly, is there is beauty in every situation. There really is. You just have to find it. And so the whole perspective of flipping your perspective, when you feel like whatever it is, left out, insecure, um, that you're not being included, that you're not as successful as you think you should be, you know, comparison, all those things. Sometimes people feel that way. And when you feel that way, just flip it and say, yes, but look what I look what I have. These this whole group of great friends who love me, all the people who love me. I have my health. If you have your health. Yep. I have the ability to do what I do. I can I can walk every day. I'm, you know, I have the ability to walk and move. Some people don't. Yep. Whatever it is that you have. That's easy for you to say, but I can do all this and I'm grateful for that. So flipping it and people get, everybody I know gets so tired of me because I say, okay, flip it. Okay. <laughs> so no, no, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't gripe in front of me because I will say, okay, let's flip it. Okay. Yep. What about this? And so, and so. That's really, it, it is really the way life works because we're in charge. It's like a TV, change the channel. Yeah. Radio, change the channel. If you're wow. driving on a road trip, take another road. You know, <laughs> it will, it, it changes your life completely. And it has changed my life completely. And so it's been, what, like almost 10 years since I went to the retreat and wrote my first book and wow. I was yesterday. Oh my God. I can't believe it's been that long. And not everybody understands, you know, the, the whole purpose behind all of this, but that's my job. Isn't to worry about whether they understand or not. It's just to share the message. And so I just keep sharing. Exactly. Give the tools to, to help them along the way because 
a lot of like what you said, what you were talking about, I don't, like I was saying before, you don't even think about it. You sometimes when you're in, you're in kind of your pity party or your woe is me, you're not thinking about flipping it. And I know I've caught myself sometimes thinking, like you said, okay, well, I need to be here, here, here. And then I'll say, well, I, at least I am here, you know? So I do understand the concept of flipping it. Yeah. So, but, but it's good that you, you're putting it out there because some people don't have experience with that, or they don't understand how to really get there to be able to do that. That's the whole, that's the whole point of why this message is the message that apparently it's my purpose to help mm -hmm. people. But also I think it's really, um, it's very relevant to women over age, you know, 40. I think it's a very relevant message because we just have this whole conditioning and I'm not saying, I mean, younger women, I think have had a totally different upbringing and we yeah. had a role model that was, we had our role models and we all know that we follow those role models. We all know this. It's called conditioning. It's what happens. It's yep. why people have family businesses. It's why you do what your mother or your father did. It, it's just conditioning and it's all just how it is. But so the point is younger women know they just do whatever they want. I mean, I have nieces that are in their thirties and forties and they're, they've always been just, you know, yeah. Doing no, I'm doing this. I don't care what anybody thinks, you know? Yeah. And so, so I think it's relevant for people in it, over 40 to understand that ha being a mother. Okay. It's a great thing. I love being a mother, but that's not your purpose. Yeah, because a lot of people associate being a mother with that being their purpose. That's mm -hmm. not your purpose. The other thing I learned during this whole process, and of course, this is all a journey every day for me. I understand new things every day. Things have become clear to me every day. So there's never a destination. That's mm -hmm. the thing people don't understand, and it it. Even me, it took me a long time to finally have that aha moment. Oh, right. That's what it means. It's all about the journey because every day is different. Every day is a new day. Nothing's mm. ever going to be the same. And every person on the planet has a unique gift. Every single person. No one's the same. And we're all here to share our gifts. So here's the thing. What if everybody knew what their purpose was and knew that they had gifts to share. Let's say that we were all aware and everybody did that. Don't you think it would be a, a completely different world? A completely different society, world, everything. Completely different. We'll get there. We're, we're, it's happening. It well, hope, hopefully, and with books like yours, and to make people, like you said, mindful of their what's within and what they can do, it brings me to your website, which your website, your web address is what seeing beyond the ordinary. Yes. I mean, I saw that. I was like, oh my goodness, that is a really great URL. Like, <laughs> well, talk to I'm, me about it. Okay. So that came to me also, you know, a lot of things happen in that transformation of that 72 hours. I started writing poetry that rhymes. I never wrote poetry. Never wrote poetry in my life. That's why 
go on my site, you'll see it's full of poetry. I mean, now I just do daily posts and I don't write as much poetry, but it was like, what the heck? But it comes out in different ways in my photography, which is a hobby. It's, that's just the thing that I really love. It's a real passion for me. But um, that whole, the whole point of um, seeing beyond the ordinary is it just came to me because I was finding the beauty in each day and through my photography and sharing that. And especially during the pandemic and people, people were so appreciative and I would just do a post every day, daily beauty. And I would share it because I take nature photography and landscape. Mm -hmm. And that really helped people. And that was really the beginning, even before I wrote the books, it was like leading me there um, to just, people would be so inspired by my photography. And that was, that was the only reason I shared it. And that's really the, still the only reason I do, because what I figured out is, and whatever your gifts are, you'll, you figure it out. If you follow, you know, your intuition and the things that lead you down the path, the breadcrumbs, as I say, um, what that led me to do was to have all this photography that I now pair with my daily posts. Mm -hmm. Everything is always connected, and it led me to find the beauty in every day. Like, I think it was just one summer I couldn't travel, and I said, well, what can I do? Well, I'm going to start taking pictures of all these really beautiful things, and I'm going to find, appreciate that, like where I am locally when I was in Florida living. And so that's really how it all started. But seeing beyond the ordinary is a very old religious um, kind of esoteric, um, what's the word, thinking and belief. And if you look it up, it there it's very old. It, it's all about spirituality. Wow. But I didn't know that. I just knew I want to call my website Seeing Beyond the Ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a, that's a really good website. I mean, especially since a lot of it ties into everything that you're doing the awareness, the mindfulness. I mean, because it, it, it helps in that the purpose. When, when people come to seeingbeyondtheordinary.com, they already know what they're going to get, you know? I, I hope so. I hope it still <laughs> inspires people. There's a lot on there. And I started that right after the retreat. It was a, really a blog to post my poetry and my pictures because I was playing so much poetry. It was crazy. Um, and then my photographs. And then with the book, I would take quotes and pair them with my photography. And so that's how I still do it. It's, yeah. I, it's pretty basic. But, you know, I think people are oversaturated with all that stuff. I mean, and it's changed a lot, even in the last 10 years. Yeah. So I just try to keep it simple, you know, and inspire people. Because the one thing I did learn during all this time is that in taking pictures, I just kept thinking, what is it about my pictures that people love so much? And my vibration, I because I have a practice of mindfulness, and I'm in nature, and I ground myself in nature. And I meditate and I have stillness every day. So I have this whole life of what I preach. I do practice what I preach. And so I feel like I see things differently. And so when I share that light and that vibration, other people get that. They receive mm -hmm. that. 
So that's what I figured out why people find meaning in my photography. Because I don't sell it or anything. It's not for that. You know what I mean? It's for me <laughs> because yeah. I love it. But it, I also do it to share with people to, you know, what if you're stuck? What if you're sick and you're in bed all the time or in the hospital and you find my website and you see my pictures and it makes you feel better? You know, yeah. that's the whole purpose of what I do. Yeah. Well, I know that you are a veteran public relations professional. So let's pivot a little bit. Um, just to talk about the PR landscape today. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because PR, in my opinion, has completely changed. And um, if you're somebody around our age or mm -hmm. 40, 45 plus, who's mm -hmm. looking into starting a business, starting something new, starting, you know, you might have that old way of PR thinking what <laughs> it's completely different. I was there. Like, what is, I what's, it. Trust me. Yeah. What's your assessment of public relations today? So my assessment is pretty straightforward. It's it's all about your contacts. And the other thing is, which has always served me my whole career, is and it, this is a good example. So Charleston, where I'm living now. Um, going back and forth to Florida from Atlanta, I would stop in Charleston on my way back. And I, I was because I wanted to be near the water again. <laughs> so I said, OK, how can I get to know professionals and people in my field and photography? And I do food blogging. I do all kinds of stuff. How can I get to know these people without living in Charleston and doing all the, you know, crazy traveling that I'm doing? So I did it through Instagram. And this is how you can meet people. So what I always do when I want to get to know about a certain um, specialty or geographic area or topic, I find the people that know everything about it. And then I get to know those people. Mm. So you have to be, you know, you have to be unafraid enough and, you know, willing to contact people, cold call people. Um, but you probably at some point have somebody who knows somebody who knows this person. And so I always am really good, if I can say, <laughs> at building networks. And yeah. so that's how you do it in PR now. It's still all about networking. We People still need to meet other people. And, there's, and now that we're beyond the pandemic and that's happening again. That's how I got to know people here through Instagram. I got to know photographers and food bloggers and influencers in mm -hmm. a really specific niche that I wanted to get to know. And that's, and that's how, when I finally moved here, after visualizing myself riding a bike over the bridge to Sullivan's Island every day for two years, mm. and then I ended up here. Okay. So visualizing is also the key with everything you're doing, with PR, with writing, with anything you're doing, even with anything new that you want to try, or even if you feel like you're stuck, you know, you're a professional, you're a writing professional, and you feel stuck. Visualizing every day and creating the world that you want to be in, not from not where you are now, 
you have to create it with your visualization every day, five minutes. That's all it takes. So, but that's how I built my network here is through, I chose Instagram at the time. Now it's, it's also very different and things mm -hmm. change. So it could be anything. It could be, um, it could be a blog. It could be, you know, it could be a local group of professionals, whatever it is, but it's all still, PR is still all networking. And that's one thing that's never changed for me. Yeah. It's never changed. And I have a pretty wide network. And so, and I always try to help other people. I always have, especially women, especially young women, um, you know, get to where they want to go or introduce them to other people or connect people. I like connecting people who I know can help each other. So that's, you know, that's networking. And that's the one thing that's never changed. Now, everything else has pretty much changed because really there is no more, I say there is no more PR because with placements, with earned media, it's, that's really still all about who you know, but also specifically pitching to the right fit for your story and the publication or venue or whatever it is, online, magazine. It has to be a specific niche fit, and it has to fit. You can't just pitch people stuff that doesn't make yeah. sense to their readership. It, it doesn't work, and it really doesn't work now. I mean, and you and, it, and if you need a contact, there's ways to find the contacts for the people that you want to pitch. But it's it's totally different, as you, as you say. I mean, yeah. for me, I'm still utilizing my network. But if there's somebody that I want to talk to, I just find a way to do it. And so mm -hmm. that's how I've always been. But I've always been in PR. So I think a lot of PR people are like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I know even even myself. If I want to, like I contacted you, I saw your books. Like I have, as a writer, I used to have to contact people all the time to try and get interviews to, you know, so that has, that has, that hasn't changed for me. I still continue to do that, but some people aren't like that. And there might be a little bit of fear, like you said, living fearlessly, there might be a little fear in that. And that brings out, I was going to ask you three points that people can use in mm -hmm. PR today, but you basically laid that out and, you know, go, using social media, actually contacting people, visualizing, you know, where you want to be, who you want to be around and visualizing the business itself. Um, all of those. What you want to be, what that looks like, what kind of a world do you want to live in? Visualize that every day. Yeah, I think all of us have dreams. So if you just visualize your dreams every day, and also the other thing I do is I'm always creating different um, dream boards. And I know it's a big practice now in spirituality and the mindfulness space. But the thing that's different about how I help people do it in my coaching is that I say, get all these images for your dream board. And Get, shuffle everything around and just think about making like a collage of your perfect world, what your perfect world looks like. You know, not not having like anything really specific, but pictures of all the things you love or what make 
like, you know, sailing on a sailboat in the Mediterranean, you know, you can see what that looks like in a magazine, a picture of blue skies, blue water, a big white sail in a sailboat with the wind whipping through the sail, you know, get a picture of that. So get these things together on your dream board, move it around until you feel it's where that's it. Mm. See, not what you think it should look like, what you feel that feels the right thing for you or the best thing or the happiest thing, whatever that is that makes you really excited. That's how I, I help people do dream boards, you know, if I do a retreat or whatever. Because I think it's a, diff a different approach and if you're just doing the feeling thing than when you're doing the thinking thing. You know what I mean? Because you're using yeah. different sides of your brain. That's the other part about this whole approach to mindfulness, that we have to use both sides of our brain because we've got to get out of that ego brain because the ego is the overthinking part. You know, and then yeah. you say, yeah, but what if I can't? What if, uh, yeah, but I don't, but I can't, but I don't know that. So how do I do, you know, that's the whole <laughs> overthinking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've said it to myself, trust me, but I say, well, I've done all these other things. So, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And you exactly. know, you always say that. That's how you start with any plan. What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. And I mean, I'm one of those overthinkers too. Like, I don't care what it is. I'm going to, and I like what you said about the feeling because as somebody who overthinks things, right. when if I can feel it, then it's a done deal. I'm right. done. Totally, totally. That because you're feeling. Can mm -hmm. you see me? Because I'm having a problem with my screen. Sorry. No, um, I see you. You do? Because I'm having. Yeah. The feeling is everything. Feeling is everything. I do everything by feeling. Everything. Yep. I waited to launch my book, which was done. It was completely done for maybe six months. And I just kept feeling, well, it's just not the right time. It's just not the right time. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was the right time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just went full bore and I did some book signings and I did some traveling and just, you know, to get some visibility. And I had some promos done with, um, a, with a really, really cool, uh, kind of event photographer in charleston and that's another thing that's the other thing that was really cool um, mm -hmm. because i didn't know that before i moved here mm -hmm. are you you open another tab well sorry. do you open another window yes what should i okay do? close the window you just opened that's okay, because I'll be clipping this. I'll clip this part out, but yeah. Because then it's giving me three um, recordings, which I could probably, I'll delete. If you can't, I can delete it. How do I delete it? Uh, let's see. Ask, it says, ask Susan to close the other browser. <laughs> That's what we were saying. Okay. So you're new, with whichever one you just opened? I'm doing it. 
I don't okay. know why it's having trouble. <laughs> That's so funny. So sorry. How are we doing now? That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I haven't I haven't moved into live yet. So Okay, cool. So <laughs> yeah. what was I saying? So that so just for a really good example of PR, because I thought I know, because I love Charles. I know I want to have my promo pictures with my new book. That's pink. My book is pink. Mm. Okay. That's my book, right? Love so, it. Love it. This is all specifically for a reason, which I'll explain. And so mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a car called the pink figgy. It's a Nissan Figaro. And there's a lady who um, does events and promotions and all kinds of things with this car and it's very cute i wish i had a picture um to show you but it's in my it's in my instagram for sure um it's on my website it's everywhere so i said i want to have my book promo photographs with the pink figgy in a classic charleston um um image so that's what i did and i didn't know her before i moved here i met her through instagram because there's a group of people that all take pictures of Charleston. And so mm. I, I just inculcated that group um, and and got to know her through that. And then, so you see what I'm saying? So yeah. two years ago, I didn't, I didn't know her. To, to have my book launch with the pink figgy. I mean, it, it's so great. It looks so good. So cool. Very unique. And every, everyone says that. And I say, well, that's, I just thought that was cool. I wanted to do that. So I did it. But that's, so that's another facet of PR now is that everything is visual. Everything's visual. You have to make sure that the visual aspect of what you're doing is going to appeal to the audience that you're trying to appeal to. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And so everyone's listening. They're all listening on pod to podcasts. And they all have their headphones and their earplugs in. So it's got to be visual and it's got to be something that people have can listen to, um, you know, while they're driving or they're running or walking or whatever, or exercise. Because yeah. when they work, I mean, typically, I guess people aren't listening to podcasts. But I don't know. What do I know? Um, some might. Some might be. Some might be. I would be one of those <laughs> in one ear. <laughs> but you can't all multitasking that that's yes. rules so the thing yes. is, and so this brings us to the mindfulness space which is really mm -hmm. really important and it's important to our topic of purpose and focus so for professionals and for all of us no matter what you're doing you know when people are driving what's the worst thing that people do now they're on their phone texting yeah, a lot of people have their earplugs in and they're talking when they're driving, and I try not to do that just because I like to stay focused. Mm -hmm. I do to the radio, but the other thing is being mindful means when you're when you're focusing on one thing, focus on one thing. Don't yep. be doing one thing over here and one thing over here. All the research shows that multitasking is terrible for your brain. And you, it's not efficient. Everybody, women, of course, mothers who have to do 10 million things at once, 
you don't, it's not as effective as focusing on one task at a time. The research shows that there's tons of research. If you go look it up. So, so what I try to do with people is, especially in coaching, is to make people understand that when you're self-aware, so you know what triggers you, you know, like if you're in an engaging with someone or several people, it's all of a sudden you feel nervous or anxious, or you feel like people are controlling the conversation and you're not able to get your point across. Mm. At that moment, being objective and being observant is the most important thing you can do because you have to step back and you have to say, why do I feel this way? Just mm -hmm. take a breath and just wait because when your time is there, you'll see the, the moment if you're observing. But if you're in this mindset of, I don't want to be here right now. I could be doing all this other work. You know, all the things that our monkey minds do when we're in meetings, or we're on yeah. Zoom calls, you know, everybody's always doing something else. And that's not good for anything. It's just not. No. And you also feel like, you know, people have this whole mindset, all people, and especially during the pandemic, it was so true. When everyone went to working from home, especially mothers, you know, because they had to do everything and the kids were at home and they had to work and they felt like that people felt like they had to be more productive because they were yeah. working at home. And productivity is not the end all be all. You know, doing something really well and doing one thing really well is really important for a feeling yeah. of I've done this well. And you put everything into that one effort instead of spreading yourself too thin. Those are all, those all contribute to your purpose and focus. So being aware of all these things that pull you away from being in the moment. When you say, oh, I'm not paying attention because I do that when I'm walking because I walk every day on the beach. And I, and that was part of my visualization when I lived in Atlanta. You know, there's no beach in Atlanta. There's none. There's no beach here. I do miss that coming from Florida. I do um, miss that. Right? Oh, it was killing me. So the thing I'll find myself, I do receive a lot of inspiration actually while I'm walking on the beach. Uh, and I'll say, so one of my points to, one of my tips to be being mindful is I describe my surroundings to myself. Mm. Or cause like at, uh, where I go, there's a lot of sea oats and there's a lot of grasses and stuff. So I'll just feel, you know, the greenery as I'm walking by or I'll stop. I'll look at a shell and I'll focus and I do it all the time. And so, because I find myself drifting and I'm not really having any purpose other than to enjoy being present in the moment. And so, you know, and not being on autopilot. And I know that we all find ourselves being on autopilot. You know, have you ever done that drive home from work or from the store and you don't remember at all? Yep. Like, how did I get here? Well, that's, 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 that's being on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, the first tip to the, so there's five easy steps. Yeah. Just to be in the, the mindset of mindfulness. And that is describe your surroundings to yourself when you find that you're not, you know, right there in the moment. That's the first one. And so the second one that I try to do with people, especially in coaching, 
especially with busy people, because busy people feel like they're on a schedule. They get up every day and they say, the first thing they think is, what do I have to do today? Not, what am I grateful for today? Or I'm so thankful for this comfortable bed I sleep in. I say that every day. <laughs> or their, their coffee. You know, little simple things. It's the whole gratitude thing. So the whole thing that I try to do with people is to say, create space in your day. Every day for reflection and stillness. Even if it's just five minutes. I know people say, how do I do that? But I have to do this and I have to do this. Well, make the time because yeah. you're going to feel better when you do. Start with five minutes, whether it's in the morning or before you go to bed or whatever time works for you at your lunch, at, at lunch. I mean, it's better to start in the morning if you can and give yourself the space to do some breath work, take some deep breaths, you know, clear your mind and just have some stillness because going within takes a lot of um, commitment and being aware takes commitment. So you have to start that practice and that's an easy way to start. Just try to have create space in your day and you can do it more than one time a day, obviously, but mm -hmm. creating space says to you, you're committed to yourself. You're committed to your self care. You're committed to awareness. And just by the act of creating the space, you're starting to walk down the path of, I want to know what it is that's missing in my life. Mm. So that's the thing I work with people a lot on is creating space in their day. It's really important. So the third thing is during that stillness, try to start your, your meditation practice. Because meditation helps us access the other part of our subconscious that our ego mind, you know, always squashes because our Over ego, yeah. you know, is the thinking mind and the thing that says, well, I have to do this, I have to do this. But the subconscious mind has all the answers you, you could ever need. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mature Allure. For more information about us, visit matureallure.net and get social with us on Instagram and YouTube at mature.allure. Facebook at For Mature Allure and Twitter at Mature underscore Allure. Till next time, we encourage you to stay positive, embrace who you are at every stage of your life, and always tap into your mature allure. <laughs>